We have a guest speaker today. I'd like to introduce John Jenkins and his wife, Helen. We were hoping she'd be speaking, you know, but she's really the nice one of the two. Uh, John, I've known John for years. He is a Foursquare, I guess an evangelist is what they call you officially. He travels all over the place. He used to pastor a Foursquare church, and but then he, the Lord called him into more of a traveling thing. So it's great to, you know, intermingle with different people from different streams of the body of Christ, isn't it? Because they ever all, I mean, I, I loved all the, you know, different streams. They bring something a little unique. So John brings something awesome. He's an awesome guy. I love him. He's a real friend. And but really has a real prophetic voice. So come on, John, what are you doing? What did that guy introduce you as a rotor rooter or something? Yeah, <laughs> we've had some very odd introductions over the years. We pastored for 26 years and we've been traveling now. It really shocked us 21 years traveling all over the nation, serving churches and. Uh, Loving up on people. My wife, I call her sweet Helen. I called her that from the time we met in Bible college. Helen, would you at least greet the people, honey? I love you. That's it. (laughs) She's like E.F. Hutton. She doesn't say much, but when she speaks, you better listen. I'm just going to set this down here. If I need it, I'll reach it. Oh, wow. Look at that. Thank you, brother. You're good. When Jesus came into the city that day, a week or so before his death, they threw palm branches and clothing in front of him. And they said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of God, Son of David. And it was awesome. But they were uh, flattering him because they thought he was the king that would come in and totally destroy the Roman system and the Roman Empire. They limited themselves basically to a a secular, uh, earthly approach of who Jesus was. And so they flattered him with those praises, and a few days later, the same ones were yelling out, crucify him. I love what I saw here and witnessed here today in praise and worship because we have probably ministered to almost 600 or more churches, 700 maybe. This worship service did more to confirm, compliment, and uh, really validate the Word of God that the Lord put in my heart than probably any other worship service. It was awesome. I mean, we could have just preached it by singing it. But you see, there's a big difference, guys. Listen to me. There's a big difference in flattering Jesus and praising Jesus. Flattering Jesus, we learn techniques. We learn that because if we flatter Jesus, we can motivate him to bless us. And it's all about us. But when you praise Jesus, you're praising him for who he is, not what he does or what he should do. And I love that song, This Is How We Battle. We don't battle with weapons anymore. We don't have to, but our battle is through praise and worship. Praise and worship is a greater weapon against Satan than any other weapon there is. I know we have the blood of Jesus, and we have the word of Jesus, and we've got the testimony of Jesus, and we've got prophecies. But I want to tell you, the greatest, most effective weapon against Satan and all of his imps and whatever else he sent to your home this year, the greatest weapon is not our theological expertise or our quotes or our cliches, but the greatest weapon is to praise him. 
Let God arise and your enemies will scatter. I don't want to claim that I have so much power. Jesus said, don't let this be your joy that you have power over demons and you can cast out devils and heal the sick. Don't let that build you on an ego trip. But be thankful your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Be thankful that you're redeemed. Hallelujah. And pastor was so correct. This is the year of a divine shifting where God, you see, God never got out of alignment. We did. God is still right where he's always been, full of power and glory and anointings and giftings and, and deliverance and healings. But the church somehow has, has found its way outside of the very center of who God is. And we get into these things that other uh, philosophies and psychologies and humanism mix up. But God, bring us back. Let us be the ones that allow the Holy Spirit to shift us back into an alignment with God, where even as Jesus said, O Lord God in heaven, my Father, let thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. And basically Jesus is saying, Lord, let us get back under there where we'll know where the kingdom is. You see, the day's coming where we don't have to go to Brownsville or Toronto or Kansas or Lakeland or any other place to find some kind of revival. The day's come where the revival is in the midst of God's own people. When the tongues, when the cloven tongues came down that day in the, in the, you call it the upper room, all of them, every one of them, men, women, people that were smart, people that weren't smart, people that were learned of Scripture, people that didn't know Scripture, all of them received one of those tongues of fire. It descended upon each of them. And that was God's way of saying, from this day forward, you won't have to go find a faith healer somewhere or an evangelist that does miracles. You won't have to do that. You can do it when you want to. But the day is coming where I will put my spirit, my power, and my prophetic anointing upon every believer. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And God, let us know that this is the day where you want to uh, empower every one of us. Jesus said, don't look this way or that way to find the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not up there after we get out of here. But Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you right now. Let thy kingdom come in me right now. Let it arise in me right now. We're not just Christians. You've got to let God put that into your heart and believe it. You're not just saved. You're not just Christians. You're not just church members. But you are kings and priests of righteousness. The Bible says Jesus is king of all the kings of the earth. And yet he has made out of us kings and priests unto his God and his Father. Not when we get out of here. I'm not going to just be a king and a priest when I'm in heaven. I already have an anointing of kingdom in me now. I have a royalty in me now. And I'm a priest of the Lord now. Hallelujah. Let us know, God, that we don't have to wait for a certain time for the miracles to happen anymore because you've chosen us. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I ordained you. I gave you, ordaining there doesn't mean go to theological seminaries and get a sheepskin that says doctor or, or, or uh, I forgot what, the bachelor's degree or whatever. No, to be ordained, that word actually means I am making you become a living ordinance filled with the supernatural power of God. And wherever you go, demons will tremble and they will fear and they will back up because you have become my living ordinance in the earth. We're not into the rules and regulations and the laws of religion, but we're into the manifestational uh, revelation of who Jesus is within us today. 
Dads and moms, quit thinking that you're eliminated or or disqualified because of your track record. This has nothing to do with your track record. This has to do with his record. And God, we praise you today that you have qualified. We are worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. And listen, people, inheritance isn't just heaven. I I believe in heaven. I'm going to heaven. But I never think about heaven as far as my life now. I rejoice in when I do think about it. But I, I don't think about getting out of here and getting up there. For God, we are now been made worthy to be partakers of your inheritance and the inheritance of the saints is authority and power over demons and darkness and sicknesses and diseases and anything that's contrary to the spirit of God. We're ordained to have that authority. Do you always use it? No. Sometimes you disqualify yourself. You eliminate yourself. You downgrade yourself. You look at yourself and you become your own judge. You know what? There there comes a time where I know we need to judge ourselves in the sense of making sure we're right. But I tell you what, God never called you to be the judge over your life. He is the righteous judge. And you sit here righteous today. You don't sit here sinless. We all sin. But we sit here guiltless. There is no guilt on me today because of Jesus. Lord, help us today. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you'll go there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you, that's you, sitting here today, some that are listening and will be listening to the recording of, of whatever nature. But you are a chosen generation. Thank you, Jesus, that you chose us. You're not like the guys when I was growing up. They, I was usually the last one chosen to be on a team. I wasn't chosen. I, I was just accepted. But Jesus chose you. He chose you when you don't choose you. Many, many are called, few are chosen. That doesn't mean Jesus didn't choose you. It means very few people choose to believe that Jesus called them. I have chosen you and I have ordained you that you'll go and bring forth fruit. I chose you today right here, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you guys that have been royal pains will no longer be royal pains, but you will be royal priesthood in Jesus' name. The priest doesn't inflict pain. The priest heals pain. Quit causing your wife and kids and your dog. Quit causing them pain today. Help me, Lord. Now he's meddling. A royal priesthood, not just a priesthood who knows how to cry and weep and have mercy on people, but a priesthood that even though they know how to cry and weep and be touched with the feelings of infirmities, they have a royalty about them. They have an authority about them. They have a divine power that's been given to them. And it's not learned by all the chapters you read in the Bible. It's not learned about all the classes you've taken. But it is, it is experienced by a relationship with the King of all kings today. Hallelujah to God. You're a royal priesthood and you are a holy nation. In the name of Jesus, I declare one of the miracles that's going to happen in this church is that every person in here that will just believe that you've been redeemed by the blood of the precious Lamb of God who is holy, that He now makes you holy. That you will be free from some of the bondages and habits and strongholds and tendencies that you've had for years even while following Jesus. But the days come where the Spirit of the living God is going to cause people in their walk with God to be just as much in line as their spirit is with God 
Lord, bring us into that place where we don't have to fight and wrestle and keep asking forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again for some sin. God Almighty, come in here today and you said you not only forgive us, but you cleanse us. And that word cleanse doesn't mean just the record. It means cleansing you on the inside from whatever it is that causes you to sin. God, thank you that you forgive us, but let the cleansing power come in here and cleanse the iniquity inside of us that somehow sets us up to be sinners. Thank you, God. We're through being habitual sinners. You got to say that full word or it sounds bad. <laughs> You're his own special people. In, in King James, it says, we, uh, it says peculiar. You know, God's not looking for weird Christians. But he's looking for special Christians that have a uniqueness about them that nobody else has. A special chosen people. The Bible says in several places in Malachi 3, 18, it says, but the day is coming where you'll be able to discern between the people that are righteous and the people that aren't unrighteous, the people that follow God and the people that don't follow God. How is he going to make a difference? Not by what we wear and all the religious garb and we meet on Sundays and and our rules and regulations and our little theological uh, verbiage that we have. No, the day is coming where the difference God's going to make in your life as you're a person who lives in and manifests the power and the miracles of God And the favors of God are going to be so involved in your life and and interwined in your life that the world's going to say, my God, look how different they are. The world's tired of seeing weirdos. They want to see true Christians. Yeah, they don't want to hear another sermon about Jesus. They want to see the manifestation of the relationship of Jesus come out through your hands and your mouth and your eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, do your work in us today, especially chosen people, that we may proclaim his praises. You see, you're called to be a praiser. You're not called to come to church two or three times a week and praise God. You're called to live in praise. You see, if your praise in your home when the bill came and you don't see the money, if your praise isn't just as loud then as it was this morning, God wants to heal you. You see, we don't praise God to get, a, get a, a, a handout from Him. We praise Him because He's our God, and He deserves to be praised. When you come in here and you've had a sinful Saturday, and uh, uh, two or three of you did sin yesterday, and most of you that said, I didn't, you did just now. <laughs> but see, we need to understand that God's calling us Not to disqualify ourselves through guilt and shame, but to let him show you through the blood today that you are qualified. You don't have to sit here saying, well, I can't praise God because I didn't live right. You know what? You're not praising. It isn't you that God's concerned about not living right. You're praising God because he lived right. You see, you're not praising for how you feel. You're praising for who he is. Don't punish God because you've had a bad day. Don't punish God because you and your husband argued on the way to church today. You see, God's worthy of your praise whether you're in a good mood or not. He's in a great mood. How many of you know God's in a good mood this year? Yeah, He really doesn't want to kill people anymore. He doesn't want to afflict people with diseases. He wants to heal. God, thank you you're in a good mood. May we understand that. Colossians 1.13 says, For God has delivered us from the power of darkness, and He has translated us, brother. He's translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 
The word translate doesn't mean progressive. It doesn't mean slowly and, 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 and a little bit at the time. The word translate means instant. The moment I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He totally translated me into the kingdom of light. I have no business thinking about the darkness anymore. You have no business worrying about who hurt you back then and who sinned against you or who you sinned against. In Jesus' name, be ye translated. Now, translation is quicker than what that, that young lady, God bless her. There's more syllables in Spanish than I ever thought. I mean, she said uh, uh, about three, 30 seconds worth of words, and, and when you translate, it comes out about a minute. God bless them. <laughs> Good thing she's not, uh, anybody's not personally translating what I'm doing, because that would make the message at least twice as long. And you wouldn't like that. <laughs> But we are translated into the kingdom of His Son. God, I want to thank you. It's not progression. I don't have one foot in darkness and one foot in the light. I'm not being stretched and torn apart. But God, you instantly brought me into the fullness of the light of Jesus Christ. Thank you. No more shadows. No more turning variableness. But God, let it be established today that we are people of the kingdom Luke twenty two twenty eight. Jesus says this, and I want to say it to some people here, and I'll just look like this so that you'll, you'll grab it if you want it. But Jesus looked at them, and he says, You are those who stayed with me when I was going through my trials. You see, Christians love Jesus as long as everything's okay. But Jesus, there's a special, there's a special anointing for people like this man here who had many, many trials who could have quit the ministry many times, who could have even disqualified himself. And Jesus says to him, Sir, thank you. You stayed with me. Those weren't really your trials. They were mine. And you still call me Jesus even after all that. After all that the devil tried to bring against you and tried to disqualify you and tried to eliminate you. But you're saying, Jesus, you're still my Lord. And Jesus says there today to you and many people in here, because you stayed with me, And you didn't leave me or forsake me or turn your back on me. I will now bestow upon you the same kingdom that my daddy gave me. The same kingdom, not the one up in the heavens, but the one in the earth that will cast out devils and heal the sick, that will see people uh, delivered and saved and redeemed by the hundreds. I give you my anointing, supernatural giftings of God. And he says, and I invite you to eat at my table. Quit eating at everybody else's table. I love Joyce Myers. I'm tired of eating at her table. I love T.D. Jakes. I don't want to eat at his table. I love Jack Hayford. I don't want to eat at his table. I want to eat at the table of the Lord. He says, I invite you to my table. I will feed you. You don't have to get it second and third hand because you're looking for golden nuggets to keep in your little pouch so that you can look impressive to other people. It ain't about golden nuggets anymore. It's about the true revelation of who Jesus is. Taste of me, the Lord says. Taste of me and see how good I am. I personally will invite you to my table and you will sit with me and you will also rule with me. It's time for some people in here right now that came into this service today and you feel like your life is ruined, your day is ruined, your family's ruined, your husband's ruined, your wife is ruined, your finances are ruined. It's time for you to understand that Jesus is ready to turn that into blessings. Hallelujah. Time for us to rule and quit being ruined. 
God Almighty, raise up shy people, intimidated people, bashful people. Let them quit copping out on their personality. And God, tone down bold bullies that push it without it being the Lord. But bring us into a sensitivity of who you are and what you're saying and how you want to say it. Listen, some of you guys listen to me, maybe gals too. You don't have a right to use God's word and use it in some way to chop somebody up. God didn't call you to bring fire down on people. That's his job. And when you speak the word of God, even in the prophetic sense, you you don't speak it in a tone where God's angry and ready to kill you. You're just as responsible to speak the attitude and tone of the Spirit as you are the truth of the Spirit. Speak it out of the compassion of Jesus, not out of the passion of your anger. Lord, you're doing a work to change us. Why? Because this world will never come to Jesus anymore through preaching necessarily or through churchianity. They're going to have to see Christians who are so sold out to Jesus that they're living it every day. There's people in the hospital that wish you would have had your, your awareness of your anointing to heal the sick, and yet you, you comforted them and pitied them and left, and they remain sick. How to God, to God they wish you had your power. The Bible says in Romans 8, 19, for all of creation, especially the sick ones and the bound up ones and the hurting ones, they cry out, where are the manifested sons of God? Where are the ones that are matured and not living to get their blessing? They don't try to jump in the water before they they help us get to the water. When the angel stirs it, God, they're, they're crying out today in the hospitals and in, in the sane asylums. Where are the true men and women of God that are mature enough to extend the, the will of God into our lives? God, heal some people in here of what's wrong with them so that they can go to others and give them what's right with you. <clears throat> Forgive me that I do one-liners. I don't mean to. They just come out that way. <laughs> it doesn't matter just so it's truth, huh? There are certain miracles that will immediately happen if you'll just become praisers and worshipers. I was praying about that, and the Lord began to show me some places in Scripture, and I I think they'll have it on PowerPoint. But one thing, true worship and praise, not flattery. Now listen, the children of Israel, when Goliath came and the Philistines, they, they clanged their uh, shields and beat their shields and beat their swords on the rocks and yelled. But see, they had a noise of praise, but they didn't have the sound of praise. See, the noise of praise is when people try to do it as a gimmick to somehow intimidate the devil, and he knows better. Sons of Sceva had a noise of praise, so to speak, and the devil said, we'll tear you up. But there's a difference in a man or woman that has it in here and it becomes a sound of praise. Praise and worship, one thing it does, it breaks the power of plagues and curses. David in 2 Samuel 24, verse 25, uh, Israel had already been cursed. It was their sin. Actually, it was David's sin. Listen to me, some of you fathers and mothers and leaders. You never live for yourself. If you think you can go out there and sin away from this church in the darkness and it not affect this church, you're deceived. Ask Achan. All of Israel was punished for his sin. We live for each other, guys. 
Some of you dads and grandpas in here, you don't live for yourself and get by on the sly because, see, your grandchildren are already being affected or infected by your life. So they're under the curse because of their sin, and 70,000 people died. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 24, verse 25, I think it is, and David made an altar to the Lord. And as he worshiped God, even in a spirit of repentance, the Bible says God stayed the plague and he forced the plague to leave them. I don't know what's been plaguing your house, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, family stuff. I don't know what's been plaguing you, but it's time for the plague to stop. Rise up in the name of Jesus and worship God again. Let God erect an altar in your own heart and say, God, this stops today. Even if it was our sin, God, we repent. This stops today. May the plague leave our home. Amen. Well, Brother John, the main plague we have is they've already moved. Well, wherever they are, may God heal them. When you worship God, it frees you from the depth of shield or, or the presence of hell. I hear Christians all the time. Brother John, last year we just went through hell. Hell's been all around us. Hell's everywhere around us. Shame on you. But even if you are surrounded by hell, even if there's some hellish things happening right now and it just hurts you, and it confuses you and it discourages you. Build an altar. Jonah's inside of the whale. He's inside of a fish. Seaweed slapping him in the face. Half-eaten octopus and squid. Pow, pow. Who knows? It wasn't a hotel Hilton. But he realizes, you know what? I brought this on myself. And he raises up his head. And he says to God, I will offer you right now, I will offer you the praise of thanksgiving, a voice of thanksgiving, I'll sacrifice it to you. And even in the midst of the darkness and of the hellishness that surrounded him, God heard his voice. And God spoke to the whale. By the way, I wanted, if I were to name that whale today, I'd call him Uber. Because <laughs> he was a taxi, he was a free ride to... And the, the one thing about the miracles with Jonah, listen to some of you that have callings, prophets and prophetesses and people, adults that know you should be standing up proclaiming the word of the Lord and you've been backing down and running away because you're afraid or either there's some kind of uh, uh, racial thing inside of you and discrimination. Hear me carefully. When Jonah repented and said, God, it's time for me to come back to where you called me to be. There's some people in here, there's a calling of God in your life to do a lot more than what you're letting yourself do right now, not just for this church, but for the kingdom. And you've been backing away either out of guilt or shame or uh, rejection or unworthiness. And you don't know it, but it's allowed a lot of storms in the rest of your family's life. And when Jonah repented, repent doesn't mean cry and wallow, I'm so bad. No, he turned around. He said, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to Tarsus anymore. Of course, God kind of helped him with that decision, didn't he? He said, you sure aren't. They're throwing you overboard in just a minute. But you know what I love about God? Uber, I mean the whale, wasn't sent to destroy Jonah. It rescued Jonah. How many of you can swim two or three miles away from shore and reach it? God says, you know, he may be rebellious and he's awful confused, but that's my prophet. I want to tell you, no matter where you are in your life right now, and you may be disappointing to God, and you may be doing things that aren't righteous, and you may be doing things that hurt yourself, but your God in heaven still loves you, and you're still his prophet or prophetess. He says, I got to send Uber by, uh, by there to save him. 
And as he repented, watch this, not only did he get a, 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 a inside the whale, but the whale gave him a free ride to his destiny. If you'll repent and praise God, God will make sure something, whether it's uh, something you like or not, he'll make sure you arrive at your destiny like you should. God spoke to that whale. He said, hey, you're not taking him to the sea and ingest him. You're going to cough him up right in front of Nineveh because that's where he's got to be. God, I want to thank you that you're more determined than I am stubborn. Amen? The other day, some guy called me stubborn. I said, no, you're wrong. I'm a Christian. I said, I'm not stubborn. I'm steadfast. So you've got to use Christian words. You know what I'm saying? They sound better. So the whale <laughs> makes a beeline to Nineveh. Whoop! You know the deal. And Jonah lands right there in the middle of his destiny. The other miracle that will happen if some of you will repent and come back to the place God really wants you. I'm talking to Christians. A whole city experienced revival. This city will experience revival when all the Jonas and Jonahettes in here repent and come back to where they should be instead of just being Christians. And don't say your day is done. Because see, this is our day. It's your day, brother, to become more powerful and anointed and released in the freedom of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ways of God than any other day in your life. You're just beginning. You, you can't even imagine right now what God is about to do through your life. You're not just a good Christian husband and father. You're ordained of God to be something that's going to affect, it's going to please God so much, but it is going to utterly destroy uh, parts of the kingdom of darkness. I don't want to be blessed just to be blessed and, and for people to say, look how blessed. No, the blessings you give me, God, I want them to utterly destroy parts of the kingdom of darkness. That's why I'm here. I'm not here to look good and to show you Cadillacs and cars and big homes. We don't have either of those. But I'll tell you what, we can show you the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And that's greater riches than anything else, isn't it? I tell you, I was asking God, and he said, you know what, tell them some more. And I will. I, I just heard the Lord said, tell them some more. Can you handle some more? Yeah. <laughs> I know, this church is so easy. <laughs> How many of you give me five more minutes? Raise your hand. Wow, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, I got three hours over here. How many of you give me five? Even after that, you guys are crazy. <laughs> praising God. Listen to me. If you'll begin to be a praiser, praising God causes your enemies to become confused and they'll destroy themselves. Now, this will keep you from being able to write books because you won't be able to say, I did this and I did that and I destroyed hell. <clears throat> but when you praise God, God causes, ask Jehoshaphat. He said, Lord, they are more than we are. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God said, hey, don't send the army, send the choir. He would have sent this worship team today. God Almighty, hell, you better start shaking because this worship team has some power. And so the choir boys and girls probably walked in front 
And as they sing, the Lord's mercies endure forever. Hallelujah to God, His mercies. Man, God caused the enemy to start getting confused. They started fighting themselves, and they destroyed themselves. God, wouldn't it be great where this enemy you talk about all the time, well, the devil this and the devil that, and he's been speaking to me, and he's on our family. God Almighty, raise up praisers and worshipers, and when we worship you, let the enemy be confused, and let him just destroy himself right in front of our eyes. The horse and rider were thrown into the sea and the children of Israel were just sleeping. That happened while they were sleeping. They were dreaming and their enemies were drowning. You know that if you'll just go to bed in peace with God and praise Him and worship Him in your last breath, consciousness, I want to tell you what, while you're sleeping, God will be destroying your enemies. You'll quit having nightmares just by praising and worshiping God. Praise and worship will also heal you of a state of unworthiness. The thing I see in the body of Christ more than anything else are Christians who believe God and they want to go to heaven, but they still feel so unworthy, inadequate. Isaiah was in the presence of God that night, and he saw the host of God singing and praising God, and he got involved in the midst of that praise and worship. And all of a sudden, it made him realize, you know what? I'm undone. I need, to, I need to let God heal me. I am miserable. Sometimes when you get close to God, you don't want to be close to yourself. But God is so gracious. And while he's praising God, the angel said, oh, I'm not going to let you stay in that stupor very long. He goes to the fire, the holy fire, brother. And he gets the coals of fire off of the fire. And he says, Isaiah, I'm going to touch your tongue. You're going to quit talking like world people. You're going to start talking like a true prophet. And he touched his mouth and he says, from now on, you're clean. When you worship and praise God, he cleanses you from a sense of unworthiness. And he also establishes you in a new calling. Not only did he cleanse Isaiah from unworthiness, but then he commissioned him to go and preach the gospel. God Almighty, touch some people in here today. Let the coals of fire from the Holy Ghost come right now. Not just tongues of fire, coals of fire. Touch people's lips and touch their hearts and heal them from this state of unworthiness and rejection and let them rise up as mighty prophets and prophetesses of God. And let them speak again. Let them quit being pathetic and let them become prophetic. In the name of Jesus. It bothers me to see pathetic Christians. I say, hey, great worship. Oh, Brother John, it wasn't me. It was God through me. I say, stop it. I saw your mouth moving. I, saw, I heard your voice. I saw your hands doing this and this and this. and Quit that false humility. Let God raise you up to who you are. You're ordained to worship God and to praise God. You're ordained to prophesy. <laughs> that is good, isn't it, whoever you are? <laughs> I think it was a little misannouncer that said that one. You're pretty good yourself. You took a two-hour announcement and got it done in about 10 or 15 or 20. No, 10 minutes. <laughs> you know what I love, too? True praise and worship to God will heal you from sin consciousness. Most of the problems of the people in this building right now, the reason they don't progress and move forward in the rate and pace that God wants them to, you still are conscious of your sins. 
And you're also conscious of somebody else's sin against you. See, when the Bible says the true praisers and worshipers will no longer have a sense of sinfulness. They'll no longer be conscious about sin. Just start praising and worshiping him. You're not saying, God, I'm so sorry and I'm so bad. No, no, no. It ain't about you now. It's about him. God, you are awesome. You're glorious. You're faithful. You're just. You're righteous. You're powerful. You're holy. Oh, God, you're merciful. And as you begin to praise God, he says, you know what? Those sins aren't yours anymore. They're gone. That guy that sinned against you for 30 years ago and you still bring that up as some kind of, you almost try to make it a form of testimony, but it really gives darts into your life again because he hurt you so bad or she hurt you so bad. God says, man, I'm going to heal you through this praise and you aren't even going to be able to remember that. Joseph named one of his sons Manasseh because he says, for God has caused me to forget. It ain't about mind power and concentration and, 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 and uh, reformation. Listen, God's not a God of reformation. That was Martin Luther. God's a God of transformation. What God does, he does it from his power inside of you, not from your discipline to somehow whip yourself into submission. God, come in here today and free every man and woman from any sin consciousness. Even, even organizations and people over us. I, I've had people over me in, in different organizations I've been involved in that hurt me, that didn't understand me, that really, really jabbed me. And, and I'm going, God Almighty. And God says, no, 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 no. You're a worshiper and a praiser. Let me wash that out of you. See, no organization can promote you and no organization can demote you. God promotes. He's not forgotten you. There's a verse, and, 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 and I, I will not hold you longer than you will be held. <laughs> go to, go, turn your Bibles or either look at the Bible on the wall. The Bible on the wall. Praise God for that. But some people, it's the electronic Bibles. You know that, don't you? Like there and there. I'm just not fast enough. Two of my sons are, are pastors in Concord, North Carolina, and, and they do that. I don't see how they do it. And the word still comes out. I'm thinking, man, that don't sound right, but it comes out right. <laughs> Me, I'd be, oh, no, where'd that go? Oh, no, erase. <laughs> it used to be a sin to read your palms. <laughs> <laughs> but we got palm readers everywhere in the body of Christ. <laughs> Not... Turn to Judges chapter 1. Let's get through this because this is so vital. Pastor is so gracious. He said, Brother John, now listen, if, if you feel like God's giving you something else, you don't have to stay with your PowerPoint. I said, I seldom do stay with it. I've had PowerPoint people come up to me and say, man, you are nowhere near it. I said, look, the point is the power, not the PowerPoint. <laughs> so there you go. I want to read the first seven verses. It was after the death of Joshua it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall be first to go up against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first, for indeed I've delivered the land into his hands. So now watch this, Judah not thinking God meant it, and in case God's low on batteries, like Abraham and Sarah did because they thought God was low on his batteries that time. Judah, Judah goes to Simeon, which he shouldn't have really, but God didn't kill him over it. But he says, uh, Judah said to Simeon, hey, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, come up with me to the allotted territory in case the Lord can't do what he said, that we may fight together. 
And I likewise will go with you to your allotted church. Brother, in the name of Jesus, hear this. You will never have to depend on outside sources or resources. Go to them, ingest them, enjoy them. But God, when he calls this church to a calling, it's him calling you. You don't have to get the help of anybody else because God and you and these people are going to see the miracles because God put it inside of you. We don't, need to, we don't need to get alignments and confederacies. God, when you call a person, you anoint them and ordain them. Some of y'all that are from the north, you're glad that we're not going to have any more confederacy. Amen. In verse 4, then Judah went up, and the Lord, the Lord went ahead and honored them. He blessed them. And he delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men in the city of Bessek. And they found Adonai Bessek. Now listen to this. Adonai Bessek. Adonai means God and Bessek means Bessek. And what they did, they named their kings gods. That's why God loved to take them down. Because there'll be no other god before me. And so they were actually calling their king God of Bessek. And so boy, the Lord had an attitude already against this guy. And so they fought against him and they defeated him. Then Adonai Bessek fled, and they pursued him. Now watch this. This makes Israel look really vicious and, and savage. When they caught him, they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. My God, what kind of people do you have? And then Adonai Bessek said to these people, after he lost his thumbs and his toes, Ouch! No. <laughs> he, he, he said to them, God help me. Please have me back, Pastor. He said, 70 kings with their thumbs and toes have I cut off. And not only that, I used to make them gather under my table and beg bread just to eat. And so I know what God's doing. He's paying me back. Hear me carefully now. All, all warfare, I don't care what you're going through, finances, physical, cancer, whatever it is, mental stuff, Crazy stuff, people that have lost their... I don't know what your war is. I don't know if it's bad family, and man, things are just horrible. I don't know what your war is, but I know this. All war in a Christian's life is spiritual. God came to Moses. He said, Moses, tell them when they face war, Deuteronomy 20, tell them when they face the war, don't send the captains and the generals and the lieutenants to talk to the people. Because this ain't a physical thing. He says, send the priest. Brother, we need to let God raise us up in the priesthood that he's anointed us to be. Because when it comes to, to spiritual warfare, we've got to have priest. Jehoshaphat, don't send the army, send the choir. Whatever you're facing right now, quit bringing it down to a physical, psychological, earthly, temporal, secular level. Quit thinking you're fighting our government. We don't fight our government. We fight the powers over the government, or if they're in them, in the government. Our warfare is always spiritual. Quit fighting with your wife and your husband and your kids. Quit making them the target of your anger and frustration because you're not fighting them. We don't fight flesh and blood. But principalities, spiritual darkness, rulers in high places. God, let us, let us not lower ourselves down to fight at that level anymore. If you have to sweat, it can't be God. When God leads you to war, He does the fighting. He anoints you and you don't have to sweat it or fret it. Help us, Lord, to remember that. 
here in this verse, Judah says, you know, you promised us that Moses would take us in. Now he's dead. Now Joshua's dead. Whatever you do, don't put all your marbles on the man or woman who's leading you. You don't want them to get killed, do you? (laughs) If you want to see God take them out of the earth, start thinking that they're your God. They say, God, who are we going to send to war? We've got to go in here. You called us to go in here. Who's going to go fight these guys? And these nations were vicious, brother. They weren't just normal nations. They were vicious nations. And God says, I'll tell you who you send. You send Judah. And brother, Judah means praises to Yahweh. If you're going to fight a horrendous war, a hellish war, don't be sending your uh, track record, your expertise in theology. Don't be sending your doctrine. You better get Judah out there first. Send the praises to Yahweh. Because nobody stands before the praises of Yahweh. If you've got a rebellious husband bound up with alcohol or drugs, quit being mad at him. Quit putting uh, cassette tapes. It used to be cassette tapes behind his pillow to get subliminal messages. Yeah, you're saved. You're a man of God. (laughs) And he wakes up more like a hellion than ever. (laughs) He said, man, honey, I had a nightmare that there was a tape player in my head. (laughs) We don't have to do trickery with God. Praises to Yahweh. But poor Judah. Instead of going on and praising Yahweh and getting out there, he he tries to get somebody to help him. They still were victorious. The name Adonai Besik actually means this in the Hebrew connotation. Listen. It means he who is as fierce and ferocious as a lion... And he who strikes as quick as lightning. And see, this church and you personally, there's some Adonai Bessics. And I don't want to say little spiritual demon things, but I want to tell you there are entities and powers and influences of darkness that hate you for who you are. And they've assigned little Adonai Bessics to come to you. Jesus said, I saw him when he fell out of heaven. I saw Lucifer, he fell as quick as lightning. Peter says, of all the things you need to do this year, <laughs> I hope none of you have a real drinking problem because I shouldn't have to say, but be sober. <clears throat> <laughs> be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, now listen to me, he walks around like a roaring lion, but he's lost his power. I always say this, Jesus pulled his teeth. Have you ever seen a lion with no teeth? If he caught you, he couldn't bite you. God help us. We're so afraid of this entity thing called the devil. If I read scripture right, Jesus crushed his head. I don't know where he is and what he looks like, but he ain't moving very well. You believe his lies. That's the problem. You're believing his lies. You're believing the deceptions. So here they are, and they caught this guy. But here's what I want to do in the, in the next few moments. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan gain advantage of us, lest Adonai Besik, if you want to put that word in there, gain advantages of we are not ignorant of his devices. 
See, I understand the blood of Jesus covers it all. I never have to do a thing, never have to be... No, no, no. We need to be aware of what his vices are. Not to be afraid of them, but to see who we conquer. Here's what I want to do. Adonai Bessick said to them before they killed him, he said, I did this to 70 of your kings. One of the things that Adonai Bessicks do in your life, brothers and sisters, hear me. He tries to dethrone you. You see, what Adonai Bessick would do would be take these kings away from where they really were rulers. And pressures and hardship and disappointments and, and sin and shamefulness sometimes and disgrace. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't, I don't have a right to be a man or a woman in the place of authority. And many Christians in here, you've let the devil through trial and tribulation and trauma, you've let him take you off of the place where God landed you through Jesus Christ and you're over here struggling instead of staying right in the position God called you to be and, and move in authority. Don't let what's happening in your life right now dethrone you. Jesus said you're kings and priests and he doesn't repent. Even the children of Israel in the land of Egypt, surrounded by all this wickedness and dark powers and all cults and spirits of Antichrist, surrounded by them. But there was a place, sister, where God says, this is your land. And if you'll stay in this place of promise, not one of the plagues, not one of the curses, not one of the sicknesses, not one of the diseases, not even death will come to you because you're in the right place. Quit saying, God, get me out of this crummy neighborhood. No, no, no. Wherever you are is not crummy. Wherever you are is holy. Quit saying God has you in a bad place. No, 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 no. Wherever you are and God's there, you're on the right place. Well, if our church would just move out of this neighborhood. No, 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 no. Wherever you are, it's holy ground. The reason I can walk into dark places, people say, aren't you afraid to go in there? There's demons in the attic. I said, no, there's not demons in the attic. Not when I go in there. They jump out of the windows or something. I don't play with demons. I believe in them. I don't believe in them. I believe there are some. (laughs) But see, wherever I walk because of Jesus Christ being in me, there is an assigned uh, aura, and I don't want to get new age on you, but there's an assigned area around me that wherever I walk, that walks with me. And wherever I'm at, Satan can't attack me, whether it's on a mountain or in a valley or in a blessed place or in a stressed place. All I know is I'm in the place of God. Quit griping. Start praising. The second thing that Adonai Bessics try to do is not only dethrone you, <clears throat> but they attempt to go to the second one there. They try to disarm you. He cut off their thumbs. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in here that has a digit missing, but I'll tell you, when your thumbs are missing, you can't hold a sword. You can't hold a shield. You can't hold any weapon. And all the enemy's done to some of you. God has empowered you and anointed you with the sword of the Spirit. He says, hold fast to your profession of faith. He talks about us having the sword of the Spirit. And the enemy, through trauma or even your own sin, and you get down on yourself and disqualify yourself, that's like him cutting off your thumb. And instead of being a spiritual, uh, mighty man or woman of God that wields or yields the sword of the Spirit and cutting asunder what needs to be cut, you can't even hold it properly because somehow the enemy has caused you to feel like your thumbs are gone. 
It's time in the name of Jesus Christ that you believe God can put thumbs back on. He knows he can disarm you if he does damage to you. But not to the Christian. The third thing he does, not only disarm them, he disabled them. He cut off their big toes. I want to tell you something. When you lose your big toe, you don't have, uh, on, on, on both feet, you don't have the ability to stand in and to grip and to make a stance. You don't have the ability to move sideways or move forward. You're pretty well a, a, a crippled victim. And I want to tell you today, some of you that feel like you're in that state, God's about to bring your big toes back to you. And he's going to anoint you again. He's going to take out that spirit of victimization. Mephibosheth, David's wanting to bless him, and David's wanting to restore him. And Mephibosheth, because he crawled around the desert, and he says, like a dead dog, I don't even have use of my legs. And he went into this pity party. Why are you looking at me, O king? I'm nothing but a dead dog. And I believe the king says, stop it. From this day forward, you're not a dead dog. You're a living son. David invited him to eat at his table. Listen to this. You know what? You feel uh, so much less than some people. What you need to do is get up to the table of the Lord and eat with him. Because when you're seated, under, nobody can tell who's short and who's tall. Nobody can tell whether you've got good legs or bad legs. Get yourself under the table of the Lord this year like you never have been before. Mephibosheth looked just as much like a king as anybody else when he was at the table, sis. Quit eating the sour stuff. Quit eating the stuff that people poured on you and forced on you. Quit eating the sulking stuff, the pity stuff. Let Jesus heal you. Cause you to become strong again where you can move forward in battle. The fourth thing this king would do to them, not only would he disable them, but he would disgrace them. You don't understand, guys. How powerful the grace of God is. The grace of God isn't an empathetic feeling of God over me. Oh, he loves me so much and he's just going to make sure I get to heaven. And even when things hurt me, at least he'll have pity on me. No, 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 that's not grace. It includes grace. But the grace of God is a divine enablement and supernatural ability within us. See, Jesus didn't just give me grace. Hear this carefully. He didn't just give me grace. He is my grace. He is grace. And he's given me everything he is. And it's time for some of y'all to quit begging. It's time for some of you to quit making deals with the devil or making deals with the world. Well, if you'll just back off and leave us alone, we won't be a threat to you. No, 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 devil, you're about to get it like you never have gotten it before. Because we're not not making any deals. Because we're a people of grace. You will not disgrace us. You will not take away the, the value and the virtue that Jesus Christ has put into us. You can't take it away. You can give it away, but the enemy can't take it from you. That lady comes to Jesus. I need you to deliver my daughter. She's demon possessed. I need you to deliver her. And the daughter wasn't even there. The daughter was probably 10 or 12 miles away. Who knows? But this woman cared. And Jesus, it bothered me for a while, Sister Becky. Can I call you sister? I know they don't hear. They just say Becky. She's got warm hands. It bothered me when Jesus said to her, why should I give the food of the children to the dogs? Well, that's the last thing she needed was to be called a dog. And I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, please help me with that. I don't know if I can ever preach this everywhere, but help me. He said, I didn't call her a dog. I addressed her as how she saw herself. 
her whole life she's seen herself as a dog because the men of Israel helped make sure she thought she was just a dog. People, don't let other people tell you who you are. Don't let people disgrace you. I know who I am in Christ. I'm not cocky about it, but I am confident. And she said, okay, Jesus, okay. But even the dogs can eat the crumbs. Let me tell you something, guys and gals. You're not dogs. You're children of God. And as a word came while I go to my brother, Jesus Christ has invited you to eat at his table. Just because you're not used to eating good food, don't turn him down. Some of y'all are on junk food right now. Seriously, Christians get on junk food. Marshmallow and cream. You eat so much of that, you are sick. Jesus, help us to want the true meat, the true bread. The last one is this. The entities of this world that work through your circumstances and your psyche and your emotions and your mind at times, if you let them. One of his main goals is to disorient you. He wants to blind you. He wants you to be one of those people who say, well, thank God when we get out of here and get up there, it's going to be fine. Isn't it sad there's a lot of blind Christians? They're going to heaven, but they're blind. Those kings back then, what they would do, and this, it isn't in this chapter, but you can find it in 1 Samuel 11, and you can find it with uh, Samson. When the kings captured Israel, they said, what do we need to do for you not to kill us? They knew how vicious these nations were, and they made a compromise their life just so they wouldn't be killed. And the king says, we'll let you live, but we're going to put your right eye out. Your right eye is the eye of predominance, by the way. And they knew if we take a man or woman's right eyes out, we'll take their morality away. We'll take their spirit away. We'll take their confidence away from them. And the enemy knows he can't kill you, but if he can blind you, he'll cause you not to be a threat to him. But you'll always be blaming somebody else for the threat. And some of you, I love you dearly, but I've got to say it. Right now, some of you are seeing more enemies than you are allies. There's Christians in here that see more battlefields instead of harvest fields. Some of you are seeing more nightmares than you are dreams and visions. And the problem isn't what you're isn't out there the problem is he wants to heal this and uh, to be honest with you this is connected to this and because your heart has become troubled and become confused and let down and bewildered and just hurt there's some people sitting in here today your heart is just hurt people have hurt you things have hurt you you've hurt you and Jesus says I've got to heal your heart Because until your heart's healed, you won't see right. They must have really hated Samson and thought he was a real threat. They put both his eyes out. The Bible says the gods of this world have blinded the minds of God's people lest they see the light and the gloriousness of Jesus Christ. Sis, I've been in churches all over America, and and many of those Christians don't see the glory of God for miracles right now, the glory of God for deliverance, the glory of God for provisions. They just see a glory of God in heaven when we get out of here. 
but you don't know my family. My family don't even love the Lord. It doesn't matter. If you love the Lord, there's enough glory of God there to change the whole deal. Hagar, Hagar, why are you crying? Well, that's my boy over there, and he's dying under the bush, and, and I have no food. I have nobody to help, and he's going to die. I want to be close enough that I can at least see him. He's my son, but I don't want to be so close that I see him crying. I can't stand it. And there's parents in here. That's what's going on with some of your kids and grandkids. You love them so much, but you hate to be right there with them because it hurts you, and you hate not to be with them because it hurts you. And the angel of the Lord came to Hagar. And his words touched her. And the Bible says her eyes were open. And she saw the well. Hear me carefully now. I know, I know preachers that preach God just created that well all of a sudden because she finally believed. No, the well was there the whole time. But pity and shame and fear and depression and weeping sometimes blinds your eye to the well God has for you right there within your reach. God, how many of us had miracles right there and we were crying over here? Come, O Holy One of God. Heal our eyes. Let the salve of the anointing of God that you speak of in Revelation, let the salve of God come in here today. And not just make our eyes better, not just relieve the pain, but let that salve heal us and restore perfect vision. May we again see the vision of God for our whole house, for my own life. I'll finish with this. They lost all those things thumbs, feet, toes. But the thing I love about Jesus, guys, guy and girls, (laughs) one guy, (laughs) he's healing my eyes too. You know what I'm saying. The thing I love about God is he loves giving back to us what the enemy took from us. The ten lepers come and Jesus heals all ten of them, heals them all. But only one came back and thanked him. And he said, Jesus, that you would even touch me. And Jesus says, oh, my, my. The other dudes, they're healed. The leprosy stopped. But they're going to always be missing ears and fingers and toes. But I say to you, because you're so grateful and thankful to me, you will be made whole. If you, if, if you lost your ear, it's coming back. You lost your hands, it's coming back. What did you lose? Jesus says, be thankful to me and praise me. I'll bring it back to you. Remember Peter? He's so, Peter, my favorite. This is the last thing, by the way. How many of you give me one more minute? Okay, another hour. No, kidding. Peter's in the garden. You know, Peter's one of those guys. He's either all bold or all coward. He's never in between. That's what I like about him. Some of us stay in the middle. We don't want people to know we're cowards. So we have a boldish cowardness. So the soldiers come and Judas does his number. I bet Peter wanted to whack his head off too. But the soldiers came to grab Jesus, and and Peter pulls his sword out. And he just swings it. I I think Peter really wanted to cut his head off, but Peter is a bad swordsman. (laughs) 
I think that's why Jesus said, Peter, put your sword away. If we live by your sword, we're all going to die. I think that's really what Jesus was saying. <laughs> he whacked the guy's ear off. Boy, some damage that is. But watch this. Jesus said, Peter, put that thing away. We're not about that. But he goes over. He picks up. I don't care how you see this. In your, it's nasty. He picks up a bleeding ear, brother. I think Jesus, being hermetically safe, at least blew it off. I like this guy right here. I'm going to bring your ear back to you, brother. Because you've just been hearing me with one ear. I see it. No, he's been listening. Jesus goes to the man he knows in a few days is going to be part of the ones that take his life. He says, you know, at least when you do it, I want you to be whole. Some of y'all will sin again after today, but Jesus would come to you and say, you know what? I still want you to be whole. And Jesus puts the ear back on. I don't know what you've lost. I don't know who you've lost. I don't even know where you're lost. But Jesus today, his greatest desire is to bring back to you what you lost. I lost my dignity. I lost my virtue. I lost my virginity. I don't know what you lost. But Jesus wants to bring it back to you. Would you stand? I think the greatest way for us to put the sila on this whole deal today is to remember the whole purpose of it. You're kings and priests of praise and power. And I just hear Jesus saying, brother, I love you. The guy at the black and white square shirt, you're awesome. He loves Jesus. I see the wisdom of God in his life, maturity. By the way, some of the, you know what? You're one of those men that was forged in fire. They have a show now called Forged in Fire or something like that. But you, you've been forged and you're, you're, a, you're an instrument of the Lord right now. And God has put so much fire in your life, not to burn you, consume you, and torture you, but to true you up. And you've become a true servant of the Most High God. And you have a two-edged sword. You know how to be merciful and kind and compassionate, but you also know how to cut through it. Thank you that you were willing to stay in the fire. Most Christians do the charismatic hop-out. <laughs> Beth, God, I'm born of God. I'm, I'm, I'm redeemed. I don't, this fire don't, I'm getting out of this fire. This fire is no... You know, I thank God the three Hebrew children didn't have that attitude. Those sons, they stayed in the fire until the king saw Jesus. Your, your calling is not to get out of the fire so people can see how blessed you are. Your calling is to stay in whatever fire God needs you to be in until somebody can see Jesus in the midst of that fire. And that's what you've done. And people will begin to see Jesus like never before through you. Don't be shy with me today. This is the last thing we're going to do and then I'm out of town. i got to drive all the way to Troutman. 
I hope I don't have to stop at that rest stop because they've closed it down. <laughs> In just a moment, brother over there, I love your beard. Yeah, you, he just smiled. You say you love a guy's beard and all the guys in the house start smiling <laughs> that have beards. Oh yeah, mine. When I count to three in just a moment, I want us to start yelling out with your hands up. Now listen, don't, don't, be, don't give me this little non-Pentecostal. Uh, raise your hand. Oh, praise God. Don't give me the Methodist raise or the Baptist raise or the Presbyterian raise. Give me the crazy people raise. Because see, the enemy against you is crazy, so you may as well get crazy. <clears throat> you can't get him out of your life by going, Shh, get away, get away, get away. Get, no. When I count to three, I want you to yell out with full confidence and assurance. I want you to yell out, praises to Yahweh. Praises to Yahweh. And then picture your family that needs deliverance or healing, your kids that need to be redeemed again. They're AWOL, but they need to come back to the Lord. They're on drugs or in the alcohol or whatever, bound up with lifestyles that are contrary to the creative order of God. It doesn't matter what degree of the sin is or the darkness. We're going to praise Yahweh over them. And when we praise Yahweh over our finances, then finances have to start coming in. We praise Yahweh over what the doctor said about cancer in our bodies or, or, or our hearts or whatever. We're praising Yahweh over that today. Hallelujah to God. And as we praise Yahweh, power and healing come back in again. Because wherever I raise up the name Yahweh, anything that's an enemy of Yahweh has to get out of the way. So don't be giving me Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Praises to Yahweh. We praise Yahweh over sicknesses. We praise Yahweh over diseases. We praise Yahweh over demonic possessed people. We praise Yahweh over them. We praise Yahweh over finances. We praise Yahweh over broken families. We praise Yahweh over our church. We praise Yahweh over the ministries of this church. I praise Yahweh over my own life. I praise Yahweh over me. Hallelujah to Yahweh. 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 We're your people, God, and we're saying, Yahweh, praises to you. Praises to you. Praises to you. Hang on, hang on one more second. Hang on. I want to do this. I'm not trying to be cute, but it might sound cute because when you're cute like I am, cute just comes out. No, I'm just... But I want us to do this, Pastor. I want you in just a moment, man of God, to say it's Yahweh or no way. Yahweh. See, the first one is like this. Yahweh, Southern. It's Yahweh or no way. Yahweh we're not going to compromise anymore we're not going to beg the world to heal what's wrong with us when we've got the great healer it's Yahweh or no way Yahweh are you ready 
Let's do it. It's Yahweh or no way. Yahweh. Do it again. It's Yahweh.